Hi, my name is Barry Sterling Mitchell here in the beautiful background of Philadelphia. I produce the Sterling Net Point Power Rankings and the Bias Plus Reports, and this is Ben and Barry on football. Hello out there. This is Ben Dickerson, your co-host, lover of everything football. It's getting close to starting to put those uh, fantasy teams together. So if you're going to get in a fantasy league this year, tune in. You'll hear some tidbits about that. And uh, start gathering your friends together and see if you can put together a league. It's a hell of a lot of fun. Fantasy football, flag football, football, football. <laughs> That's what we do, bro. That's what we do. That's absolutely what we do. And, but I want, again, like last week, I just wanted to do a quick, uh, you know, uh, comment on basketball. This is, this is a crazy time. Last night, Durant went for 49. And this is what's funny. He would have been so happy to have made 50, but he missed a free throw. He of hardly, all things. Of all things. Of all things. And he was quite upset about it, looked to me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was, it, it was the perfect cap. It, was a, it would have been a 50-point night. You know what I mean? 50, 49 points is great. Everybody loves But it's just something about 50. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he was right there. Oh, man, that was crazy. You know, now we got a COVID case, okay? Um, Chris Paul, so he's out, right? Kawhi, he's limping around a little bit. We don't know about Embiid. <laughs> and, and um, oh, yeah, and the Nets, right? Harden, out there playing lots of minutes. We don't know what, what kind of... Uh, health situation he was in everybody's having a field day talking about why didn't the bucks attack him offensively isolate and attack him because he couldn't do much much movement at all <laughs> there there's a lot of things going on that are real head scratchers as i watch these games almost with every single team no team is looking super dominant um no team is looking like they can't be had, so to speak. Um, from what I'm hearing, the Chris Paul thing is a little bit up in the air. I don't think they've come out at this time that we're talking now, which is Wednesday afternoon at uh, 3.40 p.m. Um, it hasn't been determined as to whether, well, it's probably been determined, but it hasn't been uh, noted in, through news media whether he actually contracted the virus or he was around someone who has the virus and he's just, because they have different protocols, okay? So the situation is still kind of up in the air as far as the public is concerned. Um, the difference in the two will determine when he'll be able to play again. Obviously, if he has the virus, he'll probably be out longer than if in fact he was around someone with the virus. At that point, you simply have to quarantine for a certain amount of time, retest, and then they set you free. So that would get him out a little sooner. Kawhi Leonard, and excuse me if I'm wrong, but I believe he's done for the season. I believe his really? knee. Yeah, I, I think he uh, he's really uh, blown out his knee and he's going to be done. Uh, Embiid is handling his torn meniscus as best he can. 
I believe when we first talked about the meniscus, it was my understanding that you could, in fact, play with a torn meniscus if it's a slight tear. And if you didn't take any really bad shot to it, you could probably get through, which he's been doing. Unfortunately, what's happening is as the minutes begin to pile up, he loses strength in the leg. He cannot jump and lift off like he normally would. Hence, he blows the layup near the end of the game that would have won the game for them. And I won't talk about the other things that could have won the game for them. I'll just stick to that since we're talking about people with injuries. (laughs) (laughs) Being a Sixers fan, I have a lot of different opinions about that, but this is a football show. So let's stick to that. Oh, kudos to Harden, okay? I believe that he played to take a little bit of pressure off of Durant. But I said, and I heard a lot of other people say, if you really think about it, this was the first time that particular game last night was the very first time in his career where he actually was going to be expected to carry a team. Every team he's been on has had other stars slash superstars on it. And this is the first time that every other big name player was gone and he would be the main focus. And the boy came through because even though Harden was on the floor and I'm not going to say Harden was just jogging up down the floor, not doing anything. He was playing, but he managed his hamstring. Well, didn't re-aggravate it as far as we know. And, uh, and was on the floor quite a bit for a guy with a bad hamstring. I think he was in the 30 minute range. Durant played every second of the game. Had a beautiful triple-double. Was dominant when he needed to be because they fell behind early. So the questions are, now, now the next question is, okay, but can he carry a team through a series like LeBron? We may not get to see that because, you know, every day Harden gets a little bit better. But, you know, that's that. I, I do think Harden impacted the game by just being out there. You know, right. he might have scared them out of double teaming Kevin, uh, you know, and where they, they, they could have because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't hitting, you know, he was, he was struggling and everything, but uh, very physical game. I enjoyed it. I've been, I'm looking forward to, we got uh, game two game fives tonight, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, we do. Uh, Sixes are on tonight, so that's all I'm going to worry about right now. I don't know who the late game is. It's probably Utah, right? Yeah, I'm thinking it's Utah. Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking it's the Utah game. So, like I told you, I don't have any rooting interest, but there is this guy named Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he's going to have to play a little better. He is. He is. And as soon as I said that, he like came up lame. <laughs> he heard something. I was like, I already messed him up. All right. This is going to be intense, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we are going to look at pro football focuses. Top 32 defensive rushes. Am I correct? Did I say that correctly, Ben? Uh, no, you did not. <laughs> <laughs> what we're going to look at is pro football focuses. <laughs> <laughs> List 
of all 32 defensive line rooms. Okay, there we, we did go. quarterback rooms. Right. We did, right. We did running back rooms or cores yes. or whatever you want to call it. The guys yes. that are in the running back room. Yes. And now we're going to do D lines. Basically, yes. D tackles, D ends, slash edge rushers. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That is what we're going to talk about. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to this, Ben, because, you know, so often the line just doesn't get, you know, discussed until those big games when that dominance is in front of everybody. I mean, the Super Bowl is probably one of the best examples of that, you know? I mean, we were talking, people were talking about the Buccaneers defense, but when you put the kibosh <laughs> on what's considered the number one quarterback you know, a mobile guy, much less, you know, and Patrick Mahomes, the guy who had all the tricks, you know, and I mean, they were on him. So um, that really, I think, put a highlight in, you know, what, what's going on on the defensive line. But then you go back to, you know, week one and everybody's looking at the quarterback, the wide receivers, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And a lot of times the lines haven't even necessarily gelled yet because that's a, a real working unit. You know what I mean? Defensively, maybe a little different than offensive in terms of that type of coordination, but still a working unit. They're running plays. They're doing things, you know, at the line of scrimmage, you know, to, to uh, confuse, you know, to beat that guy. So let's take a look at these. I know you put in some time uh, on these because we needed to get a little more up to date ourselves, you know, because, right. this, you know, th this is what puts the 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 punch in football. This is what puts the hits. This is what takes football from being a contact sport to a collision sport, you know, and that's what makes it football. So we start as usual with number 32. It is what it is. If you're the last ranked, you are the last rank. It's not even us saying it. It's just us talking about it and bringing it out for the people to see. So number 32, the Houston Texans. Yes, the Houston Texans. Pro Football Focus ranks them as the last place defensive line unit. And uh, before we even get going, let me just remind you, this is simply for the defensive line groups. Doesn't involve linebackers, doesn't involve DBs, just like we did running backs and quarterbacks. So when you see where they are, you might say, oh, but their defense is better than that. Maybe it is. But if, in fact, it is, it's probably due to the defensive backfield or the linebacking core rather than the defensive line. Or the defensive line could be ranked really high. And then when you look at their defensive backs, you go, oh, they're not that good. How could they be that high? So these are all individual groups. And today, that's what we're doing. We're doing D-line. Okay? So Houston Texans. Now, right here, Pro Football Focus says, Houston's defensive line ranked dead last in their overall grade as a unit, which was a 47.0. And I'm not going to mention the rankings anymore for pro football focus because how they get them is extremely complicated, but they had them ranked really low for the 2020 season. JJ Watt is gone. Nobody of note was selected in the draft at this position, not a nose tackle, not a D tackle, not a defensive end. They have a couple of young players on the team that they're really dependent on. A second year player, 
uh, Ross Blacklock and a third year player named Charles Omenayu. So those are the guys that they're looking to have uh, to, to have an improved season this year. And then All we right. can move on to number 31, which is- Let's move on to number 31, who is the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, the Atlanta Falcons. So first thing Pro Football Focus <laughs> lets you know is this ranking doesn't feel fair to Grady Jarrett. That's because defensive tackle Grady Jarrett is a stud. Unfortunately, he's the only stud they have. Now, they have another really good player, edge rusher, Dante Fowler Jr. However, uh, he came over from Jacksonville. However, uh, he didn't have a great season last season, but they're expecting him to do a lot better this year. Um, he just didn't produce as, as expected. That's all. So, but they're looking for more from him. I believe they'll get more from him. And I don't have anybody uh, of a high draft pick that they might've picked up that could even make any impact. All right. So that puts you in 31st place. Next up, here we go, here we go. The Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> That's a nice picture, man. I like that, you know? That's pretty good, That's pretty good there, you know? Um, yeah, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Josh Allen, Clavon Chasen. What do you got on these guys? Well, the main thing I'll say about Jacksonville is they're really young, okay? Uh, as it says here, Josh Allen and uh, Clavon Chasen have the tools to develop into a dynamic edge rushing duo. But 2021 may still be a year too early for that to take hold. Again, these guys are really young. Now, I'll tell you the truth. Um, besides those two, there's not really anybody of note to even mention. It's a very young crew. Uh, I think the, the, the most highly tenured guy there has been there for like seven years. Everybody else is like a three, two, and one-year player. Uh, I will mention, though, there is a guy from Philadelphia that plays D-line for Jacksonville. His name is uh, Jihad Ward. Um, he went to Bach Tech High School, and uh, he went to Illinois in college, and he was drafted in 2016. So let's root for Jihad if you're watching the Jacksonville game. Hope he does well. All right, rooting for Jihad. 29, I'm a little surprised. Just a little with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, we talked about them during the season last year. Remember? Well, when Carlos Dunlap came and Jamal Adams came, they it was like a big change in their, their defense. Their defense became effective all of a sudden. Uh, but you are talking about their line. So one man made a big difference. Right. And, and as Pro Football Focus says here, Seahawks' inability to generate pressure with their defensive line last season, especially early in the year, became a national storyline. We talked about it quite a bit. Yes, Jamal Adams was a big pickup, but he's a safety. We're talking about D-line. So the biggest guy on their D-line or the, the, the biggest guy that they could get to improve their D-line happened to be Carlos Dunlap, who came over last year and definitely made a, a difference 
as soon as he got there. Um, again, they didn't pick up any defensive linemen early in the draft. They have some younger players, though, um, that could improve, and they'll be depending on them quite a bit. Well, that's what I like to hear. Some young players that aren't quite ready in the NFC West when they have to play my Niners and my D and my offensive line is starting to gel. Yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of I stuff. hear you. I hear you, and I don't blame you for saying that. But for second year, third year, maybe a guy going into his fourth year that hasn't been playing well, the light usually comes on somewhere along the line there, and they could go from a really uh, slacking unit to a very explosive unit. But that remains to be seen. The fact that they kept these guys, number one, most of them are still on their rookie contracts. Number two, youth and uh, and reps can make a good player better. If they believed in them when they drafted them and they're still there, they still believe in them, they expect them to turn things around. Oh, well, we've been watching the eight. Say that again. I said, here we what what i said before i said oh we're at 28 oh we're at 28 we're basically saying the same thing <laughs> yes we are at 28 with the miami <laughs> dolphins who we you know we praised a lot and again when people uh, when we're talking about we praise during the season as i mentioned earlier i produced the sterling net point power rankings and the bias plus reports the net point power rankings ranks team by teams by net points that is points for minus points against and that difference is net points but that means we know what the points for and we know what the points against are and that's how we look at those defenses because it's about giving up those points and the miami dolphins all of a sudden over the last few years started to find themselves in the upper echelons in terms of giving up points or in terms of not giving up points in actuality. And one of the best um, cornerbacks in the league, as a matter of fact, he might think he might've got number one cornerback in the league there. Um, so I'll let you talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, you're talking about Xavier Howard and Byron Jones is no slouch. Xavier Howard is in fact, probably rated by most sites as the number one corner in the league on an individual basis. And he is now in contract talks, I do believe. So he's trying to get an extension. And Miami is talking to him. So that may be something that happens pretty soon. Um, the thing with Miami, and, and you know, if you watch the games, you're going, whoa, how can Miami be rated so low? Remember, we're only rating the D-line, okay? Not the entire defense. Their entire defense as a whole played extremely well, extremely well. But Miami got most of their pressure when they blitz, they blitzed a lot, probably more than any other team in the league last year. And because they have great corners and really good safeties, they played a lot of man to man, gave some teams some fits, great schemes. That's all good for the entire defense. But the defensive line did not generate that much pressure by itself. The best guy on that line is Emmanuel Agba, but even he had a down 2020. So what did they do? They got themselves an edge rusher in the first round of this year's draft. That was Jalen Phillips out of Miami. They're going to be expecting a lot from him. All right, Jalen Phillips. Well, um, and you said first round. 
He's a first round pick. That's that top thirty-two. You know uh, about where he where he was picked at? Uh, no, I don't remember that. That would okay. be back on our draft show. But I mean, when you're when you are a, a D lineman and you're getting picked in the first round, like you said, yeah, you're, you're expected to be an impact player. Exactly. Yeah, right you're no project. You're no project. <laughs> you are no project. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Where are we at? Number 27 now. Yes, sir. Let's take a look at the Dallas Cowboys at number 27 on the D line. Now we know they had they they had a, a, a top flight offensive line for a few years and they were getting a lot of credit for the rush yard yardage and things, but now we're looking at the defensive line and they've had a number of names. Like if they had a number of times when you somebody would say a name, and, oh yeah, I know him, I know him. But it, apparently it wasn't uh, and and their defense was one of the worst in the league overall, point wise. So tell me about this this line and and if they're still at 27, is that what's that mean for their season? Well, this rating being so low for the Dallas Cowboys, I'm not surprised about because they had trouble throughout their entire defense. However, the two best guys, Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory, okay? Uh, speaking of Randy Gregory specifically, the guy's played good, he's played bad, he's had suspensions, he's been all over the place. So instead of going out and getting a whole bunch of guys in the draft or trying to retool their D-line, they're gonna stick with those two guys they're going to stick with two more really young guys that they're going to try to develop. And they got themselves a new defensive coordinator. So Dan Quinn is now the defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. Supposedly he's going to go to a completely different system than what they played last season. So they're looking for something uh, to work out for them from uh, D tackle Osa Adighazua. I'm pretty sure I said that right too. Osa Adig. Hizua, who is a third round pick from UCLA. And they had two third round picks, which they both used on D-line. So that let you know that they knew they needed to address it. The other guy was Chauncey Golston. He's from Iowa. So they're going to try to plug these young guys in with Gregory and Lawrence and see if they can get something going with a new defensive system and a new defensive coordinator. So good luck, Dallas. You don't mean that, Mr. Giants fan. You're absolutely right. I do not. <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders are taking the number 26 spot. And let me tell you something. That 10-year contract that John Gruden got right now looks really great. Because <laughs> whether he wins or whether he loses, he, got, he had it locked in. So this 26 ranking on, on your defensive line is not going to help you at all in that division. Well, Las Vegas Raiders, yeah, they've had a lot of trouble with their defensive line also. Not really good against the pass or the run, to tell you the truth. They did bring in Yannick Ngakwe over from the Ravens. He should make a difference. And they got a couple of young guys, Cleland Farrell and Max Crosby, as you can see here. They're depending on them quite a bit. Um, other than that, uh, yeah, in the third round, they did spend a pick in the third round on a Malcolm 
Kuntz. He's a defensive end from the University of Buffalo. They're going to try to plug him in too, see what they can come up with. But they're still kind of young. And Gakwe is not old. And he's a dynamic player. So it may turn things around at that position. We'll see. I see they have a former 49er in the room, Solomon Thomas now. I didn't know he was gone. Solomon Thomas, yes, 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 yes. I, I, I didn't forget about him. I don't know how much impact he's going to have. I don't remember him playing really great with the Niners before he left. He was a good player, obviously. Um, but I they, saw him they, described... I saw him described as a classic tweener, which was part of his problem. Yeah, you know, there you go. And to be quite honest with you, I use him on Madden for that, especially when I have a mobile quarterback. Okay. Because, you know, he, he might not be as fast, but he's pretty mobile. So if I'm going to just drop somebody and let him spy a quarterback, you know, a lot of times it'll be him. You okay. Know? So, uh, there's a place, you know, for, for Solomon Thomas. He's very athletic uh, is, is the one thing you have to give him. So, all right. Next up, we have 25, the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, Cincinnati Bengals. Looks like their best guy right now that's left is D-tackle DJ Reader. He's an interior guy. They need some edge rush. They let Carl Lawson go. I think he went over to the Jets. So they spent a third round pick on defensive end, Joseph Osei from Texas. If I remember correctly, um, Joseph Osei was spoken very highly of during the draft. And I think they felt pretty lucky that he was still there in the third round. So I don't know how much of an impact he's going to make right off the bat, but I'm expecting them to have him out there early. Cincinnati needs a pass rush. I even remember hearing them speak his name. So mm -hmm. if I heard it, then uh, it, it hit the news somewhere. All right. Next up is going to be these guys in blue here. Uh, the Detroit Lions. Now, they are retooling big time, Benny. I mean, uh, they got new quarterback. They got um, some uh, new defenders. What do you think about the Lions at this particular point? Here we go. Okay, so the Lions were really hurting on defense, in their defensive line crew. So they went, I don't want to say heavy in the draft, but they spent a second rounder on Levi. Here's another tough name for me, so I'm going to have to look and make sure I pronounce it correctly. You want me to go ahead and screw it up for you? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Levi Anwuzarike. Levi, that's about right. Enrique, yeah, University of Washington, and Aline McNeil. Now, uh, Levi went in round two. They came right back in round three and took Aline McNeil. Uh, he's a D tackle from North Carolina State, and um, Levi's also a D tackle. So they're looking for push up the middle. But the big move for them was grabbing Michael Brockers who got free from the Rams. I believe he came over there in free agency from the Rams. If I'm not mistaken, and please, when you're watching these videos, if you hear Ben make a mistake, please correct me. Put something in the comments. Say, hey, Ben, that was wrong. They made a trade for him or whatever. But I'm pretty sure what he did was his last year with the um, Rams, he was franchise tagged. 
So he signed for one year. And when that contract was over, he then became free. They didn't tag him again. And that's how he got over to Detroit for more money. Okay, so Michael Brockers filled his pockets. He's now with a new team, and he's going to be expected to lead that defensive line. All righty. All righty there. That's, that's pretty comprehensive, sir. Well, what do you know about the Tennessee Titans? Because last year, I said over and over and over, as we were looking at the points against rankings, that the Tennessee Titans, in my mind, had a great, had a good, really good defense, but they were never in the top third. They were always like in the middle or in the lower half for some reason. Maybe this line situation had a lot to do with that. So they went out in the free agency. They got Bud Dupree from the Steelers. They got Danica Autry uh, from the Raiders. Probably, I don't want to say he was probably the Raiders' best defensive lineman. But we definitely would have mentioned him when we talked about the Raiders if he was still there, but he is not. And they brought them in to go along with Jeffrey Simmons, the one vet that they already had that they really think highly of. So bringing in those two new guys in free agency, they're going to look for that to uh, improve their standing on the defensive line. I don't think they did anything of note in the draft uh, for defensive line. All righty. All right, number 22 is interesting because this is considered a Super Bowl contender. The Kansas City Chiefs coming in at 22 on the defensive line. Ah, yeah. What? What's up with that? Well, <laughs> the two main guys are Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Chris Jones is a stud. Chris Jones played well. Frank Clark did not play up to expectations. Not a good thing. Uh, they'll be expecting him to play much better this season. Um, they signed J uh, Jaron Reed away from the Seahawks to give him some help. And they went for defensive end Joshua Kane Doe. I'm sorry, Kane Doe from Florida State. He's a defensive end. They got him in round three of the draft. So they did do some work. They are trying to improve, but you know, good as we see the Chiefs as being, they had a lot of work to do. They had to kind of redo their offensive line, and now they're working on their defensive line. They definitely need more from Frank Clark, though. Frank Clark played well when he played against my Niners in the Super Bowl, for, as, as I remember. That, that was be. what, 2019? Yeah, that was 2019. 2020 wasn't a great season for him. Hmm. All right. At least according to Pro Football Focus. And there's another team. You think about the Baltimore Ravens, you're thinking, okay, we know they have a dominant defensive line, but they're coming in ranked 21st here. Yeah. And I'll tell you why, real quick, as you can see here Yannick Ngakwe and Matthew Judon, two main guys are gone, signed away in free agency. So that's going to hurt them. That's going to hurt them quite a bit. So they're dependent on some vets here, Calais Campbell, Brandon William, Williams, Derek Wolf, and they're all interior players. They need edge rushers. They need strong defensive end play, something, okay? So 
the biggest thing of note that they did was they went out and they spent a number one draft pick, a first round draft pick on Jason Owe, who's an edge rusher. Jason Owe was arguably the number one edge rusher in this past draft. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Now the, the next team, I'm, I'm not super surprised that their defense gave up a lot of gains last year as their rookie was thrown into the midst of the fire and was battling it out and looking, looking like an all-star. And then they just couldn't hold people and they would just give up a little too many points and lose. But number 20, we have the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, their main guys are Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, and Linville Joseph. All, I don't want to say household names, but kind of known guys that just for whatever reason could not put it together as a unit last season. They played poorly, especially uh, by not generating much of a pass rush. Thank God for Justin Herbert. They were in a lot of scoring battles back and forth because they just couldn't get after the opposing team's quarterback. And as far as I could tell, they didn't do anything early in the draft. So any anybody they drafted at a defensive lineman position is probably a lower pick, and they're not going to be expecting but so much out of them. Not to be expected so much out of them, man. Eh? Right. Of course, you know, there's always a gem that pops up here and there. Yeah, that's one thing about the season. You have those little surprises. All right, number 19, the Indianapolis Colts. Now, again, my former Niner, DeForest Buckner, and they're just clogging up that middle. So we know that that's something. But again, as you say, interior, right? Yeah, he's an interior guy, but he's a big-time interior guy. He's a stud, okay? Not only was he welcome to the Colts with open arms, but I believe he'll be sorely missed by the 49ers and was sorely missed by the 49ers. Already. Yes, absolutely. Um, But the Colts are not satisfied. They got all these weapons on offense. Then they go out and get Carson Wentz. And then they said, you know what? We got to fix our D. So the first thing they did was they took a first round pick and they used it on quitty pay. First round pick, edge rusher, out of Michigan. And remember when I said Owe was arguably the best edge rusher? Well, the argument goes to Quiddy Pay. So they got themselves a gym and they hope that he works out. We um, did a special piece on Quiddy Pay. Yes, we did. And his story uh, is absolutely amazing. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, look into his story uh, as a immigrant from Africa and uh, what his parents went through and what he did when he promised his mother uh, when it came time to choose a high school. He said, if you can get me through this high school, you will not have to pay for college. (laughs) And she worked three jobs to do that. So he's already was a private school. She had to pay tuition. Yeah. But he knew if he went there and played in that football program that he was set. And he did it. He did it. And now it's, it's paying off at a whole nother level. So fantastic for the Indianapolis Colts. But they're going to have to get that, that little piece together, man, because, uh, you know, 
They're coming at them now. Speaking of coming at them, <laughs> the next team is your boys. <laughs> I don't even need to, need to put up a graphic, right? You know all of this uh, automatically, correct? <laughs> Number 18, the New York Giants. <clears throat> the New York football Giants. Uh, we lost Dalvin Tomlinson. Yeah, that's true. However, oh, and let me say this, and I said this about the running back rooms, and I'll probably say it for any other videos that we do about position groups in the NFL. These rankings are set by pro football focus, not by me. I'm not saying I don't agree with them, but I don't always agree with everyone. I believe the Giants should be ranked higher, but obviously they're looking at grades from previous seasons. So you have to take that into consideration. I believe if we were doing entire defenses, obviously the Giants would be graded higher. Now, that being said, so long Dalvin Tomlinson, but Leonard Williams and Derek Dexter Lawrence played great last season. The defense is obviously much, much improved, but they're not satisfied. So what do they do? Take a second round pick that I believe they got in the trade when they made a move and brought in an edge rusher. Arguably one of the best edge rushers. Here we go again with the argument in the entire draft. And that was Aziz Ojolari from Georgia. Okay. Ojolari, Quiddy Pay, and Owe are all like right here. Okay. Right around the same. Right. And we got one of them and we got him with a second round pick, which is even better. Okay. So I love it. I'm looking forward to New York Giants football. All right. NFC East. There we go. All right. Here's your other team. Isn't that interesting? Number 18 and number 17. Yeah. The Buffalo Bills. And we know that, that, that uh, they had some problems with the run. Yeah, they, they had a lot of problems with the run, but they also had problems with rushing the passer. And what I heard mostly was, and I had to go uh, on Google and kind of look at some of these guys and their measurables, was that they were a little on the smallish side. I believe that um, the idea was to get smaller, faster people but it wasn't really working out for them. They got to beef it up. Uh, youth, I have no problem with. Size, I do have a problem with. Speed, I do have a problem with. If you're not going to be big, you got to be extremely fast. You got to be wiry. You have to be strong. You know, size and strength don't always go together. Uh, I don't. I don't know if these guys like Empinaza and, and Gregory Rousseau and Carlos Basham, we'll have to wait and see how they do. But um, they got Rousseau in the first round. They got Basham in the second round. Um, so they're showing that they're serious about this. And they're very serious about improving this. And I think those two guys will make a difference for them. And, you know, if, if their defense is improved even a little bit, that makes them even more dangerous. They're already a Super Bowl contender as is. So let's see what happens. Two good picks. Well, you know, when I hear that about the defensive line just being a little too small, 
I always think about the Minnesota Vikings Super Bowl years and the Buffalo Bills Super Bowl years. Because that's what I heard about their defensive lines. As good as they were, when it came to the playoffs, when it came to that cold weather game, they could not stop the run. And Powerball was, was their downfall, you know, to a large degree. So interesting those two that teams, one team with, uh, huh? Those two teams lost a lot of Super Bowls, didn't they? Eight between the two of them? Oh and eight? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can understand the idea of getting, you know, faster guys, but if they're going to get blocked and they can't fight off blocks, then what good is it, you know? When we talked about Solomon Thomas being a tweener, you know, right. Right. just not having right. what they want in terms of being able to bulk that middle up, you know? Right. And so, yeah, it, it, and it's a strange thing. Like I said, if you're big enough and strong enough to actually handle that, you know, that interior, um, and then you have these these very mobile quarterbacks, and you want somebody who's at least a little more mobile, and that's a, that's a tough combination to find. All right, who's up next here? Oh man, the Panthers. Oh yeah, what do you got for the Panthers here, Mister? Good Dickerson? old Carolina. So Carolina Panthers are another team that have a lot of youth at the position. And it looks like they're going to try to stick with those young guys that they already have and make the best of them and, and hope that they have a natural progression and that they improve. Um, the big names there are Brian Burns, who's a third-year player, uh, Derek Brown, who's going into his second year, and um, Yeter Gross Matos, who is also going into his second year. Uh, and he's a pretty good edge rusher. Um, but they're expecting those guys to get better. They're going to stick with them. And we're going to see what happens. That's that's where Carolina's at right now. Really, really funny, man. Um, again, as a Madden guy, I'm just playing through the teams, man. And I get with Carolina and I'm struggling. Because, <laughs> you know, first of all, you got Christian McCafferty back there. You know what I mean? So that's going to be an interesting team to keep an eye on. All right, but who's up next here? All right. All right, Benny, we're about at midway point here in this list of 32, coming in with number 15 with the Minnesota Vikings. Right. Now, again, I would say I don't necessarily agree with the order that Pro Football Focus has here. I believe that the Giants D-line is in better shape than the Minnesota Vikings D-line, but they looks like we're working on some potential and some pass numbers when we look at these guys. Their best two linemen are Danielle Hunter and Michael Pierce. But Hunter was injured for most of last year. Pierce opted out but they will both be back. Now they did get my man Dalvin Tomlinson in free agency away from the Giants. That is going to help them. He's a good player. And then in round three, they picked a defensive end out of the University of Pittsburgh. His name's Patrick Jones II. So yeah, they're trying to put something together there in Minnesota. Their window, the Kirk Cousins window is closing, bro. It's closing fast, okay? 
And I, I hate to see great players like Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson uh, not be able to uh, play. Well, they're playing to their full potential, but you think a team with stars like that would be able to go farther and they keep stumbling. And I don't want to get into a Kirk Cousins thing right now, but he's got something to do with it. But their defense does too, okay? And I'll tell you the truth. If I see them ranked at number 15 for their defensive line, it makes me wonder where their secondary is rated. But, yeah, they're, they're trying. That's a whole nother question. Right, That's right. But they're, they're definitely trying to – I think they felt like it would be easier to plug holes – when you really two of the holes you're not really plugging is two of your best guys. One was injured and one opted out. So now they're both back. So those aren't really holes to plug. You know what I'm saying? They're there. Now they're there. So um, I think they probably feel like they're in pretty good shape and they did get a guy in the third round. So I'm sure they're expecting him to come through and do a little something for him also. This is the team that had so many people return after opting out last year, coming in at number 14, the New England Patriots. Mm. Um, my sources tell me they brought in seven brand new players, if you count free agency and the draft. The two main players that they brought in in the draft were in the second round, Christian Barmore, from Alabama, a big guy, and a guy who had a really, really good college career and they're expecting a lot. I believe they're gonna try to plug him in from Jump Street. They also got uh, Ronnie Perkins, who's a third rounder out of Oklahoma. So I'm sure they're looking for both of them to have an impact, but especially Barmore. And then, you know, they got bad guys from injury, got a couple free agents, couple guys opted out you put it all together and they're right back up there in the top half in the league next up we have the team that we know needed help on defense uh, the Green Bay Packers coming in at number 13, which is not really that bad. No, not at all. Um, so you'd have to think that most of the problems they had on defense probably were with the secondary and not necessarily the line, although I believe they did have some issues on both sides. But regardless, third-year player Rashawn Gary, at D-tackle, and Zadarius Smith, uh, they've been top flight players for at least a couple of years now. So they have no argument with those two guys. Uh, they also have an edge rusher by the name of Rashawn Gary, who they were expecting more from. So again, coming into this year, a guy with a lot of potential, they're going to expect him to play better. All right. All right, next up, man, we're into the top 12 here. All right, this is, this is where we separate the winners from the losers, for sure. Number 12, the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, right back in my NFC West again. I got to put up with J.J. Watt now. Jeez, <laughs> Watt now. I like that. I like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the Cardinals are coming in at number 12. And when you get around number 12, number 11, and 13, and 14, sometimes – 
you're looking at teams that could possibly move themselves into the top. I'm sorry. We're looking at position groups that could possibly move themselves up into the top 10. And when we get to the actual top 10, there might be a couple of teams in there that could be falling back. Right now, the Arizona Cardinals are looking like one of those teams that's knocking on the door of the top 10. Chandler Jones and Marcus Golden are already really good edge rushers. So the Cardinals look like they're going to stand pat here. They didn't do a whole lot of this position group as far as the draft is concerned, but they did bring in J.J. Watt. And Jones and Golden are so good that Watt may be moving to the inside. Watt may be moving to the inside, eh? Yes, <laughs> which he has played before. He moved around when he was with the Texans. They played him inside, outside, wherever they felt they needed him. So, he's like 6'6", six, six, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he's up around 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, yeah. Do you really want your interior lineman that tall? He's got great hands, and he's got good speed, and he's strong. All right, question is, when a big lineman get up underneath them, can okay. they move him? You don't say that about Aaron Donald. And Donald's not that tall. He ain't no 6'6". Six, six. And oh. Donald's like a six-footer. You oh. can't even hardly get your hands on him. The guy is an elite pass rusher. He talking about? We're what talking about interior the versus exterior. That's what we're talking okay. about. All right. All right. He's got a defensive tackle's body <laughs> with defensive end skills. <laughs> Why would he not be able to take defensive end skills with his defensive tackle body and play defensive tackle? And let me repeat myself, he's already done it. Well, we shall see. We shall see. Well, we've already seen it. He's done it. He doesn't play exclusively outside. This is he's the future. A, he's not an edge rusher, okay? He's a defensive lineman. He's played from day one till day to day. He's played up and down that D-line. Forever. Forever. How many years now? He's a proven commodity. How many know. years now? Six. Six? Okay. Five? I'm, I don't know. Let's what see. You, Let's see how he does. Okay. All right. All right. I, 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 I feel you, NFC West. I feel you. <laughs> Cleveland Browns coming in at number 11. 11-11 with Jadavian Clowney is gone. He's always gone. No, Jadavian Clowney's coming in. He's coming in. Oh, gone from being overrated and underrated. You know something? I think that I was one of his toughest critics early on in terms of his ability to stay healthy. I don't think I ever really questioned, you know, his athleticism. I mean, he's obvious, you know, a freak of nature in terms of athleticism. But that was the question coming in. He was injured coming in with the Texans. And he's but but he's been a, an interesting free agent, you know, in the last few years. Yes, he has. And uh, I can't argue with the whole injury thing. Uh, he's moved around a lot. He's been on a couple. I think this is like his third team now. He has dealt with injuries. He has moved around. He's had some contract issues, but he's making a good amount of money. Um, if he finds a home here then it's only a gigantic plus for the Cleveland Browns. They already have an elite pass rusher in uh, Miles Garrett, pass rusher and run stopper. Okay, their D-line's pretty good. 
The crazy thing is when you hear some of the names that have been on that team and that are now on that team, let me just tell you, and I'm, I, I have to ask for everybody to uh, um, give me a break here, okay? And I apologize for this, but I have to read this. These are the guys that the Browns just got rid of on their defensive line. Olivier Vernon, Adrian Claiborne, Sheldon Richardson, and Larry Ogunjobi. Those are all good players. That's what I'm thinking. These are the guys they brought in. Jadavian Clowney, Takaris McKinley, Malik Jackson, Sheldon Day, Malik McDowell. They're all good players. They redid their entire D-line. Now, I don't know if it was contract-fueled or what the reason was, but they had a good D-line. They blew it up and rebuilt it into another good D-line. I think now they're a little bit younger, and they probably all make a little bit less money. Kudos to the Cleveland Browns. This team was a joke just a few years ago. And now it's like they can't do anything wrong. Everything they do is right. This is crazy. What a turnaround. What a turnaround. Well, you know, look, look, they're being talked about at a whole nother level, no doubt about it. I mean, the Cleveland Browns have talent. Their running backs are superb. We talked about that when we did the running back rooms. Did they have the number one running back room, if I remember correctly? Uh, number one overall, I believe they did, yes. Yeah, I believe that they did. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting watching what happens with the Cleveland Browns, uh, especially as far as, you know, being able to, to topple that, that, that Steeler group there. All right, number 10, we're in the top 10. Von Miller's back with the Denver Broncos at number 10. Yeah, Von Miller is back. That's big. That's huge. Von Miller's an elite player when he's healthy. He's coming off an injury. If he can return to his elite status, that will be great because on the other side, they have Bradley Chubb, who is also an elite pass rusher. <clears throat> Excuse me. On the inside, they have Shelby Harris, a really, really good D tackle. And they went out and got a guy that some people might call a tweener, but to me, tweener doesn't necessarily have a positive connotation to it. You know what I'm saying? So I don't want to use that. This guy is an outside linebacker slash edge rusher. And if I'm not mistaken, the Broncos use a lot of three, four. So he'll fit right in there. He's out of Ohio State. His name is Baron Browning. Okay and they grabbed him in the third round. So they're looking to improve their defense, which is already pretty good, okay? So these improvements on their D-line is gonna vault them. If you really look really hard at the Denver Broncos, the only real question mark they have is a quarterback. <laughs> the Denver Here Broncos are gonna be good. There go. Hey, if Teddy Bridgewater just plays better than he played last year, they'll be good. <laughs> All right. Who else is good around here? How Number about nine? Uh, you, you, you got more? 
No, number nine. My <laughs> beloved 49ers. Man, we, we already called off a practice session. People were getting hurt. You know, he's like, uh, we don't need all this, this week of OTA. It was funny. We, we got penalized the week, but we called the week off anyway. So the penalty looked more like a gift, <laughs> as far as I was concerned, than anything else. But um, so we're coming in number nine, DeForest Buckner uh, now. Uh, with the Colts. We talked about that. Nick Bosa got hurt last year, but he, they, they're all back. D Ford, I thought was a good ad. He was, he had some injuries also. And I'll just tell you in many cases, Nick Bosa is athletic enough that if I need to move him into a linebacker spot on Madden, I will do that in certain formations, you know, because he's fast enough and athletic <laughs> enough. So yeah, we have some fun with these guys, man. What do you think about the 49ers coming in at number nine? The, the first line here from Pro Football Focus could not be any truer for any other team. San Francisco's D-line went from borderline unblockable in 2019 to underwhelming in 2020. And that's based squarely on the shoulders of Nick Bosa and D Ford coming up with their injuries. However, the bright shining light was Eric Armstead, who actually played really, really well last season in their absence. So now they come back off injury. Armstead's still there. Um, Javon Kinlaw is the other name we have here, who as a rookie wasn't great, but showed some flashes. Guess what? Your D-line's right back in the mix, bro. Pro Football Focus believes that they got you at number nine. I believe it too. All right, you like that number nine spot, eh? All righty, all righty. Well, number eight is an interesting story all the way around. Cam Jordan and the boys coming in one notch above my Niners. What do you got to say about those guys? Uh, again, here's a team that has two quote-unquote studs on their D-line already. One's Marcus Davenport, the other one's Cameron Jordan. Cameron Jordan's an unquestioned great player. Uh, Marcus Davenport can be a great player, but again, he has to stay healthy. Uh, as insurance, they spent a first-round pick, and I can't remember the last time the Saints spent a first-round pick on a defensive lineman, but they did that. They brought in a guy from uh, University of Houston, Peyton Turner. So I don't remember his name. I don't know a whole lot about him, but if they took him with their first pick, um, I'm going to think he's pretty good. So we'll wait and see, but they're expecting a lot from Davenport and Cameron Jordan again. Well, now this next one is a bit of a surprise considering that they were like dead last in net points last year, pretty much. Uh, but, but we know that they had a, a good rookie pickup last year in Quinnen Williams. Yes. So the New York Jets are coming in at a number seven. This oh, is yeah, this, this one's really, really interesting. And I, I don't even have to look at my notes for this because they pretty much read the same as this year. So they got Quinnen Williams. They struck gold with him. Okay, good. The other two guys, Fadukasi and Franklin Myers, they're expecting – a good bit from them. 
But then instead of going to the draft, they jumped on free agency, brought in Sheldon Rankins from the Saints, brought in Vinnie Curry from the Eagles, and got Carl Lawson from the Bengals. Carl Lawson was arguably the best D lineman the Bengals had. Okay. Vinnie Curry, yeah, you know, he played on a good D line already, which was the Eagles. So, you know, I'm not going to say a whole heck of a lot about him. Sheldon Rankins is a really good player. So, yeah, Jets D line is solid. And if you remember watching Jets games, they were really good against the run. They were really good against the run last year. Their pass rush wasn't great, but it was tough to run on. So they're trying to put it all together. This is a high ranking now. Seven's pretty high. Seven's pretty high. I don't know if that's going to stick. I'm not even going to say I agree with that, but I'm not going they don't stink. No, 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 you're absolutely right. All right, number six, the Chicago Bears, whose coach uh, this year said for sure you don't have to worry about Justin Fields starting week one. He's not. You know, he's sticking with the red rifle. At least that's what he says. And, you know, the more I find out about Justin Fields, and I know this is divine, I just wanted to say this. It's so interesting because I understand that he scored, like, one of the highest scores in one of those aptitude tests or something like that. Like, he really scored, like, super high. Who, Justin Um, Fields? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I, I will put something down on our Facebook page, Ben and Barry on football. Cause I know I saw that and I held on to that page and it was kind of, you know, under that, under the, you know, wasn't big headlines. Let's put it that way. You know, and I did, we already talked about how that him and the eventual number one pick coming up through the ranks, they were always neck and neck, always neck and neck. But then when it came time, for the draft, you know, he fell, you know, and uh, I'm missing his name. Give me his name. Number one pick. Oh, you talking about Sunshine? <laughs> Is that what you call <laughs> <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Listen, that- Trevor Lawrence was anointed the greatest quarterback coming out of that draft three years before that draft. And he never took a step back, not in the eyes of players, coaches, media, anybody. He stayed out of trouble. He never sustained a serious injury. And he always played well. There was was nothing bad to say about him. They went digging for stuff to find on Justin Fields. They went trying to find a reason why he couldn't possibly be up there with the likes of Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. And, you know, I'm glad that he scored really high in that test. I'm glad that people smacked Dan Orlovsky upside his head for saying that dumb stuff about his work ethic. I'm super happy those things happen. And whether he starts this year or not, which I believe before the season's over, he will be the starting quarterback of the Bears. But whether that happens or not, I'm rooting hard for that guy. I'm rooting real hard for him to play well, just like just like Jordan Love. I, I want to see these guys do well, man, because people have been trashing them for really no reason. The dudes haven't thrown a freaking NFL pass yet. Give him a chance. I mean, you could say, oh, I don't think he's going to do well. Or, I, you know, even I said, how can you put 
a whole ton of trust in a guy who's been on a team for two or three years and hasn't even been able to suit up as the backup yet. I said that about Jordan Love. But now, last week, I, last week, I think. <laughs> I just said it last week. However, <laughs> they putting all their eggs in his basket right now. That's love. Okay? And get it? That's love. Get it? Love, yeah. Love. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we might, but, let, we but, might let you on the air one day. But Yeah, maybe. But <laughs> I will say this. Between when Aaron started saying, I'm not coming, and them starting workouts, they seen enough in him, I think, that they're like, you know what? We might be able to pull this off. So I wish him all the luck in the world. But anyway, we're not talking about quarterbacks today. Where are we at? We are with the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears. When you say Chicago Bears defense, you don't even have to say defensive line. When you say Chicago Bears defense, you say Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack is arguably the best defensive lineman in the entire NFL. Plays the pass and the run almost equally as good. Okay? They'll be counting on Akeem Hicks quite a bit. Akeem Hicks is a little bit better um, run stopper in my estimation. However, um, what's the program you turned me on to? Not the All-22. The other one on NFL where they where they interview where Baldy does the thing with the player. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy Baldi breakdowns. Yes, yes. This guy Akeem Hicks has all the he's got all the moves: hands, slap, rip, swim. He's got everything. Okay, and uh, they let me see that again, Baldi. Go ahead. Let me see that again. What the swim move? No, I can't. Hold up. The, the whole the whole you gave me is the whole the hand the hand the hand. Wait, I can't. The hands, the rip, the swim. <laughs> I got a team, man. I have to teach people this stuff. There you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's why I have to keep up on that stuff. But um, the other main guy on that team is nose tackle um, uh, uh, Eddie Gordon. Eddie Goldman. I'm sorry. His name's Goldman. Uh, he's a pretty good player. He's still young. They're expecting a lot out of him. They didn't do a whole bunch in the draft. Um, you know, they're already good. They're already good. Well, here's a team uh, that's already good. Yes. That, well, they're saying it's already good. I don't know, man. This is your NFC East. This is a position group. The top that's already five. Good. This position group is the strength of their team. It says right here, Philadelphia's defensive line has consistently been one of the NFL's best at generating pressure without blitzing. Early on, we talked about the Miami Dolphins defense and their defensive line, and we said they seldom generate good defensive line pressure without blitzing. The Eagles are the opposite. They don't have to blitz to get pressure. That means your ball players are getting the job done. Fletcher Cox, everybody knows about him. Brandon Graham, everybody knows about him. Uh, they got Jahar, uh, Javon Hargraves last season in free agency from the Steelers. He, I'm not going to say he was a disappointment. He's been pretty good, but I don't think he was as good as they expected him to be. But he's got a year under his belt in their scheme, so they expect him to get better. Um, and they did pick up somebody in the draft. They did get him in the third round. So just to make my brother happy because he loves this guy 
and probably nobody else watching this video has ever heard of him. If you have, please hit me up and let me know. His name is Milton Williams. He's a defensive tackle from Louisiana Tech. Not LSU, Louisiana Tech. Milton Williams. Milton Williams. The Eagles got him in the third round. Look out for him. And he is a D. He's a D tackle. Edge rusher. He's a D tackle. He's inside. Tackle. All right. Big guy. Doesn't mean he can't play outside, but you know, they move these guys around. What you play in college and what you play in the pros sometimes can be different. So we'll see where he ends up. Reminds me of um, they just came out with the uh, all NBA teams, you know, the different teams, first, second, third rankings. And then you start going by positions. And in the NBA now, the centers are bringing the ball up the court. Like the court. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> positionless basketball, yes. It's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Nowadays, man, that flexibility means something. All right. Number four, back in my division, the Los Angeles Rams. Yes, Los Angeles Rams. So you got two guys that were picked in the first round in their prospective drafts. That would be Aaron Donald and uh, Leonard Floyd. These two guys are great players. Aaron Donald is a great player. Now, what separates Aaron Donald from Khalil Mack, who you just heard me say may be the best defensive lineman in the entire league is, I believe that Khalil Mack um, is extremely good in both run situations and pass rushing. I believe that Aaron Donald is a better pass rusher from the inside. I've seen him. This is the thing. Because he gets double and triple teamed a lot, he's shown great prowess at beating double teams when he's rushing the passer. But when he gets doubled in the run game, you don't hear his name called. Good thing they got in Dominican Sue who can, you know, clog things up for them. Uh, and in Dominican Sue is, uh, what am I saying? Yeah, I get what I say. Um, he doesn't play for the Rams. He plays for Tampa Bay. What am I saying? Who's their other guy? Oh, I was doing so well. I was doing so well. Fowler, Leonard Floyd, Brockers? Uh, no, it's, it's no. The, uh, okay. Here, okay. Again, I like the Rams. Everybody likes the Rams. People are expecting the Rams to do really well. But when you look at it, they got Aaron Donald. They got Leonard Floyd. They lost Dante Fowler. Not only did they lose Dante Fowler, they lost 11 and a half sacks Dante Fowler. That's big. 11 and a half sacks. So Dante Fowler is no longer there. He's gone. He went to the Falcons in free agency. Michael Brockers, five sacks traded to the Lions. Those guys are going to be missed. I don't know, Rams. This is going to be tough. They didn't pick a D-line until the fourth round. I don't even know why I wrote it down because I said I was going to write, wasn't going to write anything down after the third round. I don't know, Rams. They, they, uh, let's face it. They're banking on Donald and Floyd. And believe me, that's two guys you can bank on. All right? But yeah, they didn't do much else. But so so that rating was dragged up there then by that one man in the middle. 
I would say so. <laughs> I would say so. But, but if anybody deserves to be touted that highly that he can drag the entire defensive front with him, it'd be Aaron Donald. I remember uh, talking about Aaron Donald and Tom Brady at one point in one of our shows where they were saying Tom Brady gets rid of the ball in approximately 2.5 seconds. And Aaron Donald beats a double team in approximately 2.5 seconds. That's incredible. That's incredible. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> and these are routine double teams that he beats in that fashion. So, okay, yeah, I, I have no, no argument. We know we have to do with him. You have to get around him <laughs> to stay away from that guy. Number three, Super Bowl, Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming back with everybody. And there's your Indomitian Sue. Right. <laughs> so you got Indomitian Sue, you got Shaq Barrett. Those are the two big guys up front that do most of the heavy lifting and get after the pass of the most. Uh, Sue actually is, is more of a run stopper. Barrett is your pass rush specialist. They were missing Vita Via with a back injury last year. I believe he did get healthy enough to play in the conference championship and in the Super Bowl, but he was missing for most of the season. So having him back is going to be a big plus. Um, yeah, I, I expect them to be just as good as they were, if not better. Well, yeah, and, you know, even in the article here, they're um, giving kudos to the general manager, um, how do you pronounce his last name? L-I-C-H-T. Jason? Uh, I believe it's Light. Light? Okay. Yeah. And you light. Know, we went further into their um, into their management team and talked about the women. Um, one lady in particular who's a big part of, you know, those contracts and, and those free agents and all of that. So they've got a great team over there, man. And they, they did a ridiculously good job. But they're coming in at number three, not number two. So now we're now we're really getting in, into it here. So we're, we're we're in the top three. You got two and you got one. Wow. All right, your top two defensive line groupings here in the entire NFL. Let's go to number two. The Washington football team. So you got a five and you got, what were the Eagles? Were they five or six? The Eagles were five. You got the five and the two defensive line groupings in, in your yes. NFC East. Ain't that something? Hmm. Look at this. How serious is a football team when they invest four consecutive first round picks into one unit? That's crazy. Jonathan Allen, first rounder in 2017. Darren Payne, 2018, first rounder. Montez Sweat, 2019, first rounder. Chase Young, 2020, first rounder. Strong, bro. Strong. Strong. And, ooh, where is it? Where is it? I wrote it down. Da, 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 da. Ah, in round seven, 
Yeah, I know. I said I wasn't going to go that deep. Round seven. Round seven. seven <laughs> in round seven, they got defensive end Shaka Tony from Penn State and Imhotep Charter All in right, Philadelphia, Philly. Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Philly in the house. <laughs> there you go. Wish him all the luck. You got, you got City all... Hall right there, man. They yeah. Wish him all the luck in the world. Philly in the house. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, he's in a great room. I hope he makes a really good career for himself down there. He's in a great room with a bunch of young studs. If he can grow with them, bro, he's going to have himself a nice career. Watching um, Good Morning Football, <laughs> they're talking about who's going to be on the cover of next of this coming season's Madden, Madden 22. Oh, geez. Does this already the jinx still work? Huh? Say that is again? The jinx, does the jinx still, is the jinx over? I think the jinx has been broken. I think. Yeah, jinx. somebody broke it. Was it Mahomes that broke it? I have to go back and look. It I might, might have been. Yeah, but I think the jinx has been broken. Nobody's scared okay. of it. Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson. Oh, yeah, he broke the jinx. That's it. It was him. It was yeah, him. Lamar. It might have been Lamar. All right, um, that's cool. <laughs> but, yeah, they're talking about Chase Young as, as a possibility. I mean, you okay. know, uh, the funny thing is, you, you know they have nothing to do, right? So now they're talking about, well, why, why couldn't it be a coach? <laughs> so they want to put oh, a, come on. Cover Madden. So, like, nah, it's nah. Not, that ain't it. That ain't it. Not that ain't it. All right. Well, that would bring us to number one, Benny. The number one defensive unit is black and gold. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they are. They're going to they're gonna need it against that Russian attack that the Browns has, too. Yeah, they are. Uh, I think I alluded to how the Steelers' defense seemed to struggle a bit at the back end of the season last year. I would attribute that more to the secondary than I would to the defensive line. These guys are all extremely good players. And they lost Bud Dupree. Bud Dupree is now with the Titans. But they got T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, uh, Stephen Tuitt, and Tyson Alula, Alulalu, I said it right, Alulalu. All those guys are really good players, top players at their positions. Put them all together, and you got a group similar to the um, Washington football team's group, except these guys got a couple of years under their belts and a lot more experience. Okay, but all really good players makes for a really good strong unit so that's how pittsburgh ends up number one according to pro football focus according to pro football focus yes i'm not saying that i totally agree with these rankings but they're close there's some teams i would move up and there's some teams that i would move down but i can respect where they put everybody well, this was enlightening, you know, for me to, to, to look at it from this perspective. You brought up a couple points, you know, especially when you, you know, comparing the defensive line to the total defense. 
you know, and then some lines are stronger, but you, so you got the back end support. If you got it, it might work. Then the back end's a little weak. You need that stronger line. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a team, it's a team uh, situation. We looked at the defensive line here. So we'll, we'll be looking at the other units. I'm sure we'll be looking at those cornerbacks and safeties, those linebackers, the wide receivers, got a number of units that we're going to look at and special teams. You know, um, football is a three-unit sport. It's not a two-unit sport. It's a three-unit sport. And special teams can make a big difference. I know to me, when my Niners played the Ravens in the Super Bowl, they gave the MVP to the quarterback. Now, Ben, I'm going to ask you to help me again. Who was the guy who played wide receiver for the Ravens he also ran back kicks, and he ran back that kick in the Super Bowl against my Niners. Uh, ah, tall, slim dude, right? Yeah. yeah. Jacoby Jones. Jacoby Jones, okay. As far as I was concerned, Jacoby Jones won that game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, yeah. They gave that one to Flacco, right? Yeah, they gave it to yeah. Flacco. <laughs> but that, without that Jacoby – Jones touchdown uh, wasn't going to work like that. So those were those were some back breaking plays. And look, let me tell you, let's try heartbreaking plays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for you, I'm sure. Was Niner fans? All right, man. Well, you did the do. You did that thing, man. All 32 teams, wet, 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 knocked yeah. it out. It was this was a tough one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we gravitate to the skill positions, but we know how important it is to look at that line. And we're going to look at that offensive line, too. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, let's face it, teams like the Chiefs recognize that they had to do something about that. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah. Tom Brady, we're finding out now that he had offseason surgery. Was it knee yes. surgery or something like yes. that? Yes. He wasn't supposed to be doing a whole bunch of moving around. And again, if you go back and look at some of the previous Ben and Barry on football shows, you'll see the graphs of the movement of Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady in the Super Bowl and where uh, Patrick Mahomes movement was all over the field like that. When they showed um, Tom Brady, it was here. <laughs> and it was like one, it's like one little dot. It's like, <laughs> like a dot right there. And then all these lines look like a freaking a circular <laughs> rainbow where Mahomes, Mahomes covered like every blade of grass on that field during that game, running away from people. It was insane. It, it was but, amazing. It was amazing. And literally it hit receivers in the hand. They didn't catch them necessarily. But from a completely stretched out horizontal position, he's still hitting people in the hands. So he's always going to be a fun guy to watch. Um, but fundamentals is what's going to win you uh, the Super Bowl. And that's where they had to shore that up. So, yeah. all right, that wraps up our review of the pro football focuses 32 uh, best line uh, combinations there. All right, Mr. Dickerson, got anything else for us? Nah, man, I'm done. I'm getting ready to go to practice. We got 35 and over practice right now. We got a tournament coming up in July. So I'm going to be heading up to the field for a practice. Other than that, all I got to say is go Knowles.